What Should I Think About is a podcast with me, Celine, and my dad, Stephen. And we talk about burning issues in media, politics, and science. Hello, and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, and I'm Stephen. And what are we talking about today? So today we're we're talking about the Star Trek holodecks. Mm-hmm. So we we like to talk about cutting edge things. <laughs> yes, Star Trek is the top. Um, yeah, it's the on creme the, de la creme. It's on the front of mind of every yes. uh, person. Um, yeah, but we, we're going to sort of move it on a little bit from that. But we're, we're both fans of Star Trek. Um, I like to think that I've indoctrinated you a little bit into the the cult of Star Trek. Probably. <laughs> we'll talk cults another day. Mm. Um, but there's a there's a feature in Star Trek called the Holodeck, or at least Star Trek The Next Generation, which... It's when it first gets introduced. Yeah, And then it's like a feature forever. More, it is. It? Um, and, yeah, so it's been used in lots of the spin-offs, although not in the Discovery series, uh, which is the brand new series. But that's partly because it's a... Um, <sighs> It's hard to describe it as a prequel, but it kind of is set in the the time before um, all the holodeck technology seemed to happen. So anyway, so yes, it's it's all around the Star Trek universe, um, and the idea is that you go into this room or this on this deck, and you you interact with holographic characters with a holographic world. There are anything you can generate anything in this world. It is essentially it just looks exactly the same. It feels exactly the same as the real world, but it means that you get to experience and be part of any sort of narrative or story you want to. Have I explained that okay? I think so. It's basically like if you could do Oculus Quest without the headset, isn't it? It's it's all happening in space, like in the yeah, space physically. That's right. So imagine o- Oculus Quest, but you've also got the tactile sensations... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you are physically moving in a space. So it's it's literally, you are there. It's just that all the things you're interacting with are made of, of light particles. It's a hologram, essentially. And we can talk a little bit about the, the pseudoscience behind that. But um, obviously, like all the things in science fiction, there's, there's a certain level of conceptual reality. And then they just play with it because it's science fiction it's not meant to be fact um so that's that's kind of it yeah it's um the the first thing that made us want to do a holodeck episode is um just just how dangerous the holodecks are they are death machines (laughs) um that, that apparently people just don't mind putting their life at risk for the joy of the holodeck i don't know yeah, so one of the things we've been doing recently is we've been watching the sort of all the the back catalogue of Star Trek series on Netflix, haven't we? Yes, which obviously everyone should be doing. I think you should do that. It's... That is important lockdown 2.0 <laughs> electric boogaloo material. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, we've uh, we've been going through that. We went through Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which has plenty of holodeck um, yeah. stuff in it, and we're now going through the, the Next Generation. So that's the, the Jean-Luc Picard, Jean-Luc, and <laughs> the, the first iteration. Of, of holodeck adventures mm. and we just um obviously we love star trek and we're big fans but i think any fan 
um, can see the humour and the ridiculousness of a lot of the things in Star it's Trek. so stupid. <laughs> it makes like, you laugh, doesn't it? I just imagine imagine if we were having a trip on the Enterprise and be like, oh, do you want to try the holodeck? And we'd be like, no, no, it's fine. And they'd look at you like befuddled that why wouldn't you want to try this amazing tech? And we'd be like, we know what happens in the holodeck. <laughs> like, people die. <laughs> yeah, so our, our big first concern was the health and safety record of the holodeck. Yeah. And we likened it to, like, if you had a um, a VR headset that every now and again would poke your eye out. Yeah, just sometimes. <laughs> yeah, normally it's okay, but every now and again, it'll just either poke your eye out or, you know, stick something in your eye or... Just blind you Or for kill a bit. you, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, would... At what point would, would that be withdrawn <laughs> yeah. from service? Yeah, at what point would it be like, you know, PSA, hmm. we need to stop using the vr headset yeah. but no one ever questions it in no. starfleet they just love them they just keep using the, the holodeck um and of course you're in space and there's all sorts of things happening you know there's there's uh, there's aliens there's aliens, all kinds there's, of there's anomalies uh there's there's coronal ejections there's all sorts of things that but are happening you've got to wonder about risk assessment <laughs> and who does the starfleet <laughs> risk assessment yeah. because they're letting something slip. They're obviously maybe maybe they're um, the business owner of holodecks, and so they <laughs> maybe never. Maybe there's some underhand stuff going yeah. on, yeah, under the table. And um, yeah, and and of course, part of this is because there's such things as safeties. <laughs> yeah, I know. So one of the questions is always. Has the safety been switched off? Um, and that always makes me laugh. because Why you know, would you ever have the ability to turn the safety <laughs> off? You're just like, so, yeah. I'd love to be <laughs> shot in the face today. So the, the theory is that these holographic um, characters actually can impose you know, physical effects on, on you and that the things they use. So you can be shot, as you say. You can be stabbed. You can be strangled. Um all of the nasty things that can happen in real life can happen in the holodeck. It's just that there's a safety system that you can switch on. Um, and that's the default, thankfully. The mm. default is safeties are on. Mostly. But it's okay if an officer wants to turn the safeties off. They can do that if they know how to do it. And it seems like most of them know. And they just kill themselves <laughs> constantly. No, so people just... die. Yeah. And that's that's even when, you know, obviously the safeties are off. But sometimes there are, as I say, these spatial anomalies or whatever that that makes the holodeck malfunction and it seems like the first thing that goes wrong is the safeties so talk about redundancy mm. there's not much redundancy on that system because that's no. the first thing that goes wrong and and then you see somebody in a pool of blood and the star trek crew looking surprised yeah i know they're always <laughs> shocked about it and they shouldn't be and unable to to get out that's yeah. the other thing yeah there's they're always no, locked in there's no physical you know hole that you can climb out of we you see here's the thing right as 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 we humans from this point in time we've got things like big red, red buttons at the bottom of escalators yeah. and escalators are is enough for us to need a big red button yeah. to make it stop mm. but holodecks no that would ruin the immersion <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no big red button for the holodeck. So, so yeah, that's that's always a, a strange mm. thing. So, I suppose we 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 left asking, well, why do Starfleet allow this persist mm. in this um, this thing? Yeah, they don't even allow it. They build them into they their do. ships. They yeah. keep building, and yeah. and I think we we come to the conclusion that. 
the reason is is because the writers need them <laughs> yeah 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 so it's really a device isn't it to tell a story it is it's a theatrical device um they they bloody love if i'm allowed to say the the holodeck yeah those writers they'd be really upset if if the holodeck got decommissioned um they'd fight for it back i'm sure because they love the holodeck. <laughs> Absolutely. So I should just, um, before we go on, I should just mention that, because um, obviously we're recording this at home and um, and we have a little dog and we have to put the dog upstairs in the bedroom. So every now and again you might hear her sad, a little sad little, yelp. Because yeah. um, she doesn't like being... Unfortunately, alone. we could let her in, but she makes mouth noises and nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> no, she's just so persistent with it. So. Yeah, and she, she can't sit in the corner. She has to sit on your knee. Uh, anyway, that's enough about the dog. Um, yeah. So why do you think, Celine? why do you think the writers love the holodeck so much? What What is the device doing? Well, it allows them to do anything, I guess, genre-wise, doesn't it? Because they can just be like... I mean, some of them are better than others. Some uh, uh, The writers on uh, Next Gen obviously love Sherlock, that's for <laughs> sure. So yes. we're... Str- and just, um, you know, like film noir sort of There's lots thing. of private detective sort of things anyway there's there's more than just Sherlock Holmes yeah. there's this other character that I think's a made up character um which is the first visit by Jean-Luc to yeah. the holodeck where yeah. he becomes a private detective sort of gangster New York sort yeah. of scene so I think with every series you can see what they want to write via, mm. like or they like to have a play so they're really they're they're doing Star Trek, but they'd really like to write a private detective. Um, yeah, series, and then the holodeck allows such hmm. frivolence, <laughs> yeah. frivolity. Um, yeah, and then I guess it's just a way to explore greater themes and such in a condensed episode and, yeah. and such. But yeah, I think that's something that science fiction does, though. Sci-fi, yeah. um, especially TV series, um, if you if you've got I don't know two, three, four, five, and more seasons of a of a genre i think it's it's nice for the writers to be able to say well i wonder what would happen if you know if jean luc was a was a private detective or if um yeah it's an episodic yeah. show so they can yeah. get away with it um they're all part of the great series of star trek but they're kind of all their own thing but they all have loads <laughs> yeah there's basically. lots of there's lots of holodeck episodes in them and i think that as you say that's because it allows the writer to explore these characters in lots of different situations um and that's fine i i don't have a problem with that i think Sometimes it's some of them boring, are fun yeah. some are better than others um, the nog one was good in um deep space deep space so what was that one when he's lost his leg and he think like he's got the psychological trauma more like so he should be able to walk fine now because he's got a new like super leg um yeah he's still limping because he says it hurts and they're like oh it's all in your brain box so he basically lives in the holodeck with Vic Fontaine for a while Um, and that one was actually quite nice because it was dealing with like themes of PTSD Mm. but and that was interesting and it did add to the character development and such so sometimes they add and it actually has an impact on the character long term some of them are just annoying like that one in Voyager where they're all being idiots they obviously had a fun time it was really well they're all being idiots you have to be a bit more (laughs) explanatory like i can't remember other than like it's black and white and it's all like captain chaos yeah yes so there's a there's a a holodeck kind of continual series in within voyager where 
um, Paris invents or creates this this holodeck theme of. I mean, it's really a, an homage to the old Flash Gordon, but Rogers um, films of Which, what the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. I can't remember. I know I used to watch them on massive repeat when I was uh, mm. on school holidays so it's that really which again shows the writers using the holodeck to write what they want to write exactly yeah um, but I was bored and I'm not the only one <laughs> yeah I mean that's often lots that divides people some love that episode or those episodes but I I agree with you I'm with you I don't like them Boring. they're just too silly um and I don't really it doesn't add anything is my problem no, it's no. just bag baggy trousers that's what I say <laughs> Yeah, okay, so we've said some that we don't like and some that we quite do like. They're used in lots of different ways. They're used to explore the characters, so specific characters, for instance, in one of the episodes of Voyager. No, it's not Voyager. It's... uh, Space? No, it's Next Generation, I think, one of the later episodes. Barclay... um, writes some programs where he's kind of fantasizing being the man he wants to be so he's you know he's he's holding court he's oh, yeah. telling everybody how yeah. great he is yeah that and does happen it extends into voyager because i'd not watched deep yes. i'd not watched next gen at that point and i was like who's this dude he's really annoying yeah <laughs> and you're like ah he's it's, back um, it's barkley yeah um and he he has a, a crush on troy and and obviously there's a version of her in there who's uh... feigning and you know um, and it is quite cringy isn't it oh my embarrassment <laughs> reflex yeah it's kicking off again yeah. so that's one of the ways it uses it it uses holodecks um as a a proper narrative device so there's some quite um quite in-depth exploration of holodecks in voyager where they actually sell or give um i should say holodeck technology to the Herogians, who are a race of warriors, and they want to, they just want to kill everybody. And, and um, there's hunters and there's prey. That's and... it. They're hunters, aren't they? And and so Janeway manages to convince a slightly more enlightened, uh, and ethical. Yeah, th- this is a better way of doing it. So do, do that in the holodeck, but then you know, essentially stop trying to hunt everybody in the real world. Um, so that explores that that kind of dynamic of using holographic uh, entities, if you like, mm. t- as a as a way to get rid of some of your aggression and and to to live a life that's safer, I suppose. So it explores some of that stuff. Um, there's an episode in Voyager where the Doctor has a holographic family, which I don't think mm, you've seen. No. Um, and so he creates a holographic family so he can experience what it's like to be. Um, a family man he himself is a hologram and so he he creates this holographic family and they you know he he lives his life in there and there's a moral of that i won't spoil it for you but there's a moral in there about you know life's messy and um yeah you can't you can't control everything Mm. so yeah he uses uses the hologram in lots and lots of different ways yeah yeah i think Going off from there, we can sort of talk a little bit about like the ethics of the hol- yeah, okay. holograms. So let's just draw a sort of dotted line there and say we want to now cover something slightly different, which is this this whole ethics question about holodecks and holographic entities, let's call them. Yeah, I don't think Star Trek, as in the universe, quite knows how to feel about holograms in the sense that they... 
um, have sort of been faced with multiple times in different series the fact that holograms aren't um, inanimate actually there's a lot of them that are sentient it would seem like Vic Fontaine in Deep, uh, in Deep Space and the Doctor in Voyager and um, I don't know about Next Gen because we're watching that at the moment but there's probably going yeah. to be someone that becomes sentient in there that. is um you mentioned about Sherlock Holmes and yeah. there's his arch enemy in the books Moriarty. and the novels is Professor Moriarty and of course he appears in a holodeck episode but because he's so smart he um, and and the the computer has made him to be so he's he starts to realize where he is um so yes that there, there's there's another one there so yeah there are plenty of yeah. examples and what you just said about the Herogens, they redesign the holograms to be more um, well, they want them to be more realistic and more difficult to kill, like because they said mm. it can't be yeah. easy. So then they become sentient mm. because they've basically programmed them to make their own choices and so on. Yeah. And they become sentient, and um, yeah, the doctor's quite rightly annoyed about that because he's like, yeah, he's like, you finally come to terms with the fact that I'm, you know, sentient and a real person, and then you realise that you've basically created a race of sentient people by giving the Herogens you know this information and he was happy for him to get murdered or to kill them actually because i think she kind of wants to get rid of them because she thinks that they're going to destroy the organics right yeah that's right so it raises lots of questions about um rights i suppose and yeah the, the question is just because they're not human does that mean that they shouldn't have any rights and and i guess at the core of this is the question of of sentience and as you said, that the funny thing is, is there's lots of examples of some of these beings, or these these uh, holograms becoming sentient, and they accept it. So yes, you're right. Vic Fontaine, Professor Moriarty, and others become sentient, and everybody accepts yeah. that they're sentient. Especially with Vic Fontaine, because he can turn himself off and not allow you to turn him back on, and things yeah. like that. So he's somehow sentient, even when he's not on do you know yeah, what I mean because right. he can decide when he's turned on again I mean that raises a whole bunch of questions doesn't it how can he decide to turn himself on if he's not sentient if he's if he's unconscious because yeah, he's not yeah. I mean that's a that's a yeah, technical I question I guess but mm. but yeah I think that the point that we're making is um if this has happened multiple times how can how come Starfleet doesn't say right just a minute we need to do an analysis yeah yeah. There's something going on here. Because they go out all the time in search of new life and then they literally create it and they're like, do, 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 yeah. do. don't want to think about that because we've murdered it a lot. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's psychologically, it's, it's so difficult to accept this, uh, the fact that, yeah, th- these we are treating these creatures um, in a way that is completely unethical. Because not all of them seemingly are sentient, but I mm. think the suggestion... I would take from the fact that a lot of them have become so is that any of them have the ability to become sentient. Mm. Um, maybe it's just a matter of how long they're turned on for. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't. You don't know. It's hard, isn't it? So, so there's some real ethical questions there, which kind of reminds us a lot, I think, of of the new uh, Westworld. Westworld series, which um, does explore that very question, except they're androids. But actually, it's exactly the same problem, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just like one has hardware and software. This yeah. one's basically just software with the holodeck. Yeah, so, so yeah, th- that that raises, I think, questions about um, how 
as technology increases and as AI increases, how do we treat these artificial intelligences? And at what point are we going to reach this um, this question for real? You know, I, I play Civilizations. It's probably the one computer game I play. And in that, I'm like this godlike, I suppose, um, being <laughs> who just decides how my empire is going to run. I'll take them to war. I'll, you know, I'll surrender when I want to, and I'll, I'll, I'll have some, some units. I'll just give them up because it's too difficult to get them back or whatever. And I'm making these decisions, and I don't think, oh, you know, I'm actually doing this for real. But at what point does this become a problem? I don't. I think it's when. I, I don't know. The thing is, it's like it's easy to see it in star trek because mm. they were at that point and it's yeah. like um I, I suppose the difficult thing is maybe like the frog in the boiling pot you don't yeah. notice mm. as things become because you, you take a slow route there right so maybe you don't notice um until you get to a certain point and you're like oh he's alive isn't he <laughs> yeah so i mean i don't think there's any likelihood that my characters in civilization are alive no. or when you're playing call of duty um, I don't think there's any likelihood that those characters are sentient. No. Because they're just manifestations of code. Yeah, the zombies definitely aren't. <laughs> Even on its own terms. Yeah. Oh, that's too complicated, isn't it? <laughs> At what point do the zombies become alive? But they're not. That's the <laughs> whole zombies. point. They're dead. They were never alive. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think it is a, it's a kind of difficult question. I mean, there is no answer. What, what should I think about this obviously there is no easy answer but i think it's it's kind of worth starting to think about those difficulties because technology is constantly getting better we're going to get vr that's the fidelity of of what you're seeing is as good if not better than um what you see on a on a tv screen mm. so you're going to get to a point where it feels so real um and the the ai itself is so advanced that yeah that that point at which am i really interacting with somebody here i think will will be a difficult one it's that turing test isn't it i suppose well the turing test is is a test of whether we think they are real or not or whether we think we could yeah well we get tests to see if we think they're real or um if we're convinced or not and you have to do it blind don't you so. Yeah, I mean, lot, lots of computer scientists don't think it's a very good test, and I don't think it is, because all that does is is tell you whether it's good enough to fool an observer. Um, and if it's good enough to, to to fool an observer, the assumption is made, then it's, we might as well say it's sentient or conscious. But I'm not sure whether that's a good way of... The problem is we don't know what consciousness is anyway and until we know that we're never really going to be able to to decide whether a machine is is conscious but one of the questions that it does raise which i know you've talked about is is what it does to us so forget for a moment the the question of whether this thing is conscious or not what does it do to us yeah so i mean we've discussed it in relation to film by we i guess i mean humanity Mm. (laughs) has discussed what does violence do to people generally in film in video games it comes up with every new advent of technology the same question is brought up about 
what does it mean for us um so it's quite interesting actually because there's a guy you know rooster teeth that i've said about before they're a youtube channel yeah they've got um one of the original creators was or is called bernie and he's got a son and he was playing some quest games and uh, like or oculus games and you can see it on the screen right because that's part of what makes it interesting is for the other people is you can see on the screen so it comes in and he was like stop playing that because <laughs> he's like you know like it looked really realistic sort of jedi killing people sort of you know he had a big saber and he was like <laughs> right. and he was like Ugh. i think because his kid is like or at the time it's probably like nine or something and he's just like no no um but he said am i just being like my parents were when i was like first started playing video games you know with a stick and mm. like you're gonna turn into a murderer um because he was just like yeah is that is this no different it's just the progression because people go on about you know like oh we're all we've all got weird necks now because we're always looking down at our phones that have broken our necks we've ruined them and it's like we didn't ever look down before like with you know like activities such as knitting or reading yeah. you know the time before phones like just to throw a couple out there we never looked down we always did it up above our heads you know yeah. um so is it just with every new progression of technology the same questions will come up i think that's a really good point and we we have always seen that you know you can imagine um as soon as people started to read you know you can imagine people thinking this is witchcraft you yeah know, like this is they're imagining it in their mind yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah I, I think that's right and um uh, you're absolutely right when i was growing up we had things like the atari games console mm-hmm. and that was literally just uh, a little joystick and if you were playing combat it was like, like blocky little tanks yeah, yeah. Um, two-dimensional things just shooting little dots at each other but I wasn't allowed to play that because it was violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there has been this this panic about violence, violent yeah. video games for a long time. Um, there was some work done by uh, a psychologist called Bandura. And that kind of became the poster child, if you like, for this this movement. And he, um, he got this blow-up... Um, toy thing and he caught it was called bobo and uh, a young lad uh, watched pictures images of adults beating the crap out of this doll punching it and kicking it and uh, and then they put the kid in the room with the doll and they filmed him to see what happened and he obviously mimics that behavior yeah so that was used as a way to show that it was more about television violence it was more to say you know if children are exposed to lots and lots of violence on tv does that make them more violent and um, most of the research doesn't show any clear link between watching violence on tv to uh acting out violence so that's that's the evidence or lack of the lack thereof and i just well i've got a question more than violence um being watched and enacting in, in it is that dude sounds a bit mental like he's just like <laughs> he gets a child puts him in front of a program being and is like bang like whack the crap out of this doll this, this was the heyday of psychological i know research. when they just did whatever the hell they wanted <laughs> they're the like we're gonna, West, we're gonna subject this child to watching violence like that was nothing and then we're gonna hope that he does violence like yeah. Cause that's the hope. You're like, I hope that we well, mess this child up. 
I'm not sure. In order to prove my hypothesis, I yeah. hope that he gets like brainwashed into violence with the program, right? Well, we should do another podcast about ethical and unethical scientific yeah. experiments because there just are just the lots. psychology. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Little Albert is one to look up. Um, okay. but we'll Stay do that tuned another for time. Little Albert. Then. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, but anyway, that was that yeah. was that demonstrated um, an apparent uh, link, if you like, and I and, think and a fear. it's wrong. It's wrong to imagine personally that there is no effect of, of observing something on the individual. But the question is, is there enough um, influence there to change somebody's general behaviour or even specific behaviour in a certain yeah. situation? And there isn't. As far as I understand it, there isn't enough evidence to say that that is the case. You know, we've said that it's probably a bit of fears more with the violence thing, because it comes around every time um, with each new technology. So I'm sure we'll continue to hear about the danger of violence. Well, uh, yeah, there's also the other vein that people argue on the other side, that there's the catharsis of violence, so not Mm. the damage of it, but the the therapeutic nature of it, which Mm. I don't sit on, but... It seems like maybe Star Trek does. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So again, that's been used in sci-fi quite a lot, actually. I remember other TV shows where there's a kind of way for a mass population to experience some sort of violence in a second-hand way, and that that allows for them to just behave in a civilised way for the rest of the time. It's almost like there's this pent-up need for violence, and that somehow that needs to be expressed and then you can you know you can live a life of um, of civilization mm-hmm. um i'm sure there's some theory behind that i have to confess i don't i don't know the yeah. deeper theory around well, that well i think um is it tarantino that does like pulp fiction and stuff mm. like that yeah he's tarantino films aren't really my jam i'm not going to lie like i know a lot of people love it but they're just yeah. I, I know you said pulp fiction pulp fiction's and, definitely and, worth watching yeah i think yeah, I just don't enjoy the violence. And he always says that there's a reason for it. And he often, Tarantino is like, oh, I made um, Inglorious Bastards as like a way of the Jewish people being able to claim violence on the people that had actually been violent to them mm. in reality. But I just don't know. And also he said with Django Unchained, it was a way of having black people be able to see them put like to, to have violence done to the white people from mm. the black people instead in that particular period of time um because he goes to sort of free his wife doesn't he from a white slave owner but i don't know i i would like to hear the opinion of people actually from those communities <laughs> if they were like oh good some violence for me to enjoy and feel catharsis from i don't know yeah yeah i mean it we're getting into territory that's probably requires a lot more research um mm-hmm. For, certainly for me to yeah. talk about it in any kind of sensible way um my 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 gut and this is only my gut and and you yeah. know that i i'm always for the evidence <laughs> but my gut is that I, I don't um i worry about uh excessive reveling in violence um and whilst i can't point to a, a piece of research about that um i worry that there might come a point when it becomes um so immersive so so real mm. that you start to lose the ability to 
uh, you become so desensitized to it that you become begin to lose the ability to to, to differentiate between the yeah. real world and the the other world. And, and I do think they explore that in Westworld with the yeah. black because he yeah. starts to sort of lose his exactly. focus. And you know what's so in um, spoilers ex machina but so with ex machina there's yeah. that scene where you know he goes to the sink and he wants to see if he he himself is one yes because i guess he believes so much that she is real not a robot but then he's like well am i a robot like it, yeah. it, and i think they kind of you know and then and then star trek it, it's a bit with it but. so so my analogy for what it's worth would be you know there's always been a panic about new technology. So, yeah, yeah, when reading came along, I'm sure there was. We know there was when there was video games, yeah. films, TV, and so on. And the evidence is is that that has not... Um, that in itself does not... There isn't a direct causal link between observing violence and then carrying violence out. But that doesn't mean that there isn't at some point a tipping point. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of a, a little metaphor, a little example. Yeah, when I was little, you know, bigger lads would say, you know, kick me, you know, and that would show how hard they were. So you'd kick mm. them and they'd just sort of not, not wince because they were really hard. And then they'd say, kick me again and you kick them a bit harder. Now, at some point, you're going to kick them hard enough for that to really hurt. Mm. But so there's always a point at which you've kind of gone too far. You've pushed that envelope too far. And if you create a world like a holodeck that is so immersive that you absolutely think you're in the real world and you are murdering, raping, um, behaving incredibly badly in that world, then I think it's, it's reasonable to question what that does to us, an individual, in the, what we would call the real world. Because those, those terms start to lose meaning anyway. Yeah, I wonder if, in regards to the holodeck, it's... It, it, as long as you can realise one's real and one's not, then you're probably okay. Like, as long as you're able to be like, this isn't real, then it's all right, um, I would imagine. But I do think you must... I, I do wonder if there are people that go into the holodeck. Obviously, this isn't explored as a theme. We don't get a murderer on the holodeck that gets put away to psych or something. But I do wonder if that's... If that started happening, would the captain get flagged up and be like, "Yeah, one of your you one of your staff has been murdering people in the holodeck every day"? Um, no, not not as far as I can see. There it's isn't fine. Any, yeah. So we even have episodes that show Worf going yeah, in Worf there. Yeah, Worf is pretty murdery. Being, but he's a Klingon, so it's fine. Yeah, but then uh, Vul- the Vulcan um, Tuvok in in Voyager, who's going through his palm far phase where he's he's, he's killing well yeah but it makes him very angry and violent and we see episodes where he's he's strangling to um strangling neelix Mm. and he's enjoying it yeah that's true (laughs) and that's because neelix always gets on his nerves anyway but because he's in this this frame of mind he can go on the holodeck and do that and that somehow creates a release for him and he's able to manage them for the rest of the his shift um as is an officer but yeah so there's lots of killing going on and there's also lots of hints at other things um so i think we were talking about this just before we we started the podcast so you can imagine an episode of of star trek featuring the holodeck that is very much like westworld yeah so westworld shows you what they're doing so there's raping there's um there's brutal murders there's 
all sorts of, of just reveling in the, the yeah. depths of absolutely happening yeah. um, and it all gets reset so it's okay because everything gets reset everybody you know all those they won't beings, remember it anyway. they won't remember it it's all happened but it's not real and it gets reset but you can imagine Star Trek being like that and there are hints that that's what's happening because there are hints of you know um, having sexual liaisons on the holodeck um, there are lots of talk about uh, Worf particularly or other violent uh, people getting rid of those violent impulses if you like on the holodeck so it's there's carnage in that place yeah there really is. We just don't ever see it. We the don't doors see open, it. it's like, <laughs> and they come out and they're like... Doo, 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 it's doo, all doo. clean and tidy, yeah. but yeah, there is carnage happening there. So, yeah, I think that's... There is general that's consensus. That's why the is that they get destroyed. <laughs> Every now and then the holodecks go wrong, just to yeah, it's, give them right. a bit. Yeah. So there is consensus around science fiction writers, at least, I think, that given that technology, that's where we would go. People would go to their worst impulses... And I guess that's pretty likely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, because I was just thinking it's that. We kept saying it while we were watching this documentary called The Vow, which is, Mm. you know, a bit cool. We'll probably talk about it in the the cool episode. Yeah. But um, I kept saying about. So there's. I can't remember who said which phrases now, but everyone knows the phrase power corrupts absolutely, right? But there's another guy that then said no disagree power reveals um and, and since hearing that i feel like it comes up all the time in my head because the holodeck is an element of power reveals i think potentially you know if if that's where i'm not saying that is where we're going to go and i hope that we don't go there like you know as a race i hope it's not the common thing that mm. we're just abusive horrible people but if, if that's you know in the Star Trek universe, I guess power reveals because the way that a, pe- a person plays in the holodeck reveals their truth, maybe. maybe. Maybe because there's no consequences, so maybe it won't yeah. no consequences. It reveals what you are, and you have complete godlike power in there because you can just be like, "Computer, do this." Okay, so th- this is getting into a question of um, true self, and mm. that's a that's another. Yeah. Oh, 20 podcasts. Um, because is there is there a such a thing as revealing the real you? Is there a real you? And lots of psychologists would say there is no such thing as a real yeah. you. Others would say there is, so it's it's contested. But um, but yeah, the idea that there's this some, some kind of homunculus inside of you mm. that is the real you pulling all the, the levers yeah. is just not right. Um, we, are a, we are a whole... Um, array of impulses and we've also got this this voice that that seems to be the real us but whether that's a real self i think that's that's a really difficult question but i guess my question then if we're coming to the wrapping up yeah i feel like we are i think we are. I, I sense it um <laughs> my question to you audience is um do you think the holodeck reveals the true self that's a good question i didn't think that's what the question that we'd have today but that's the one i want to know about yeah do you think the holodeck reveals the true self yeah that would be really interesting so those of you who watch star trek um which i hope it's most of our 
listeners. You're our core demographic. <laughs> we decided. <laughs> yeah. We did an exercise. We did. We put you in a in a spreadsheet <laughs> and it came up that Star Trek viewers are yeah. part of our demo, so yeah. welcome. So, uh, yeah, what do you think? Do you think that the holodeck actually reveals the true self of the person engaging in that adventure um, or not? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Debate, debate. So there we go. That's the holodeck yeah. done. Um, <laughs> yeah. She says, rubbing her hands together. So thank you very much for listening. Um, listen again. We've got new episodes coming up. We're hoping to do them every week. We might even do them more than every week to yeah, start Yeah, yeah. I mean, lockdowns, we're in lockdown 2.0, as we said. Um, so we're having some fun doing this at the moment. And who knows, it might extend for longer. Yeah, so. if you like it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. See you again next time. think about is an evil sheep production.